All right, we are very excited to have you. Yes, thank you for being here with our 50,000 viewers and 50 That's it. <laughs> Can you start recording? Yeah, it's it's uh it's Rabbi Jack, before we go live to the 2.3 billion people live streaming, we had an internal discussion as to the exact correct pronunciation of your last name. And there was, I mean, the people were writing, people were throwing tears. It was nuts here. So we have to get some definitive conclusion because it's dangerous to be in the studio here. Malul. I said it's Malul. Yes. Yes. See that? You said Goldberg. I'm telling you it's wrong. <laughs> it's like the month that we're in. We're from Elul. So. Elul, Melul. Oh, beautiful. Are you? Uh, okay. It means to talk, actually. Does it? Mimi Lel Hashem. It means to talk. I like to talk a lot. So. <laughs> you are doing wonderful things, Rabbi. Thank you. Absolutely Thank you. splendid things. And we're just beginning. By the way, the, the, the TV series we spoke about, I'll tell you about afterwards. It's going to be terrific. Sure, everyone would love to know. Excuse me? I'm sure everyone would love to know. Oh, I spoke to Oz. He's great. Um, I, I took your credit card. I maxed it out. So we ready. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. When, when are we ready to start, fellas? We're ready. We're ready. Yeah, we're ready. Oh. We should start. People join as we, you know, get along. Start here. Okay. According, okay. On the side, I have 287,000 viewers so far. Is that it? <laughs> okay let me switch this off because this is not a joke okay rabbi jack here's my one question that i do have because i prefer for this to be interactive so we can have a conversation i'm not you know my style i'm not a lecture i want to have a dialogue how do we have how do we have a two-way thing is it possible in terms of the technology or yeah or you not? put your view on uh speaker view can you do that yeah, we have a gallery view. Uh, sorry, on gallery view, gallery so you can view. see the whole group. So you can call out people. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's on the side? That's my job. Yeah, read out the names. Okay, tell me when you're ready, folks. Sorry? Okay, one sec. So can... Professionally recorded right now, so that's fine. Let me just see. So I see some names here. Shlomo, Brittany, Mathelin, Joe, Biden, Melody. Oh, okay, so this is, this is terrific. <laughs> Okay, so we can oh, hey, Sarah. She's there. Hey, Ethan. <laughs> nice. Oh, I, I get to see everyone. Do you guys realize I woke up at four o'clock in the morning here in Jerusalem? I mean, just for this. I got to love you guys. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay, tell me when you're ready. He lives here in LA, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You ready? Ready? Camera five, four, three. Two. <laughs> yes? No? I got my head's like half chopped off. I think uh, plastic. There you go. Plastic surgery. Are we good? Let's see if they're good. Okay, folks. Firstly, I want to give a enormous, enormous shout out to our host, my dear friends, Rabbi and Robertson and Jack Manil, who are doing magnificent things not only for los angeles but 
there's going to be some exciting things happening in the weeks and months ahead. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to leak the news, but there's some very exciting things happening, which is going to come all under the auspices of Aishlet. So stay tuned. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So tonight, I believe, I was asked to speak about... Why is Rabbi Jack Malul the most beautiful human being? Is that tonight's lecture? Definitely not. <laughs> okay, so all kidding all aside, we're talking about in less than two weeks from now, every single one of you will be standing before the Almighty. And what's going to happen in a space of 48 hours on Rosh Hashanah will unquestionably affect your year. It's going to affect your family's year. And truth be said, it's going to affect your eternity. So I think it, it behooves us to take a journey this evening, which we will do, on what we can do to make sure that the year ahead is going to be the greatest year we've ever had and is going to be a springboard for the rest of your life. There's not a single person that I speak to that would say, Rabbi, I don't care what happens this year. That's it. Everyone wants to have an incredible year. Everyone wants to actualize their potential. Some people are pursuing relationships. Some people are on academic track. But there's no Jew in the world that does not want greatness. That is the DNA of a Jewish soul. So why is it that when you speak to people around about this time of the year and you ask them to look back at the year that just passed, most people will say that somewhere along the line, they didn't really focus on their goals. It wasn't the greatest year. So one of the, the reasons is because we all get distracted and we all lose sight of the goal. Now, if this was a truism 20 years ago, you can imagine how true it is today in the world of technology and the proliferation of things happening instantaneously. So I think one of the most beautiful stories that illustrates this point was a very poor person who wanted to do anything he possibly could to support his beloved wife and family. And he learned that in a faraway island, <clears throat> the entire island was filled with diamonds. There were literally diamonds on the beach. And he said, whatever it takes, I need to get to that island. Can you imagine just on the beach, just one bag of those diamonds would change my family, would change my life. He started doing some research and he realized it was incredibly expensive to travel to this particular island. But he found out that there are folks that would take you on a boat and pick you up 30 days later. So he started <clears throat> delivering pizzas. He started working overnight as a security guard and for weeks and weeks and weeks, he finally saved up. And the day came where he could buy a ticket and, in, 
and traveled for 30 days to this island full of diamonds. He went to the, he went to the port, he bid farewell to his beloved wife and children. And as he disappeared uh, into, onto the horizon, he started calculating how he would collect the diamonds. You know, he had double sacks, so he could put one diamond in the inner pocket, one in the outer pocket. And a few days later, they arrived at this gorgeous island and he could see on the horizon the sparkle of what seemed to be diamonds. And lo and behold, as they pulled into the harbor of this, uh, this little island, it was unbelievable. The beaches were literally filled with diamonds. And he figured, okay, the boat left and was gonna come back for 30 days. He had a whole strategy of how to collect the diamonds. And he had these dreams of going back home. He would have these bags full of diamonds and his life and the life of his family would change forever. Got off the boat full of energy, <clears throat> grabbed his bag, started throwing diamonds into his first sack. And as the day wore on and the sun began to set, he grew a little bit hungry. He looked around and there was a little uh, store in the market. He walked over, he wanted to buy some coconut, coconut water and some stuff to, uh, to satiate his, uh, his hunger for, the, for having worked the whole day. As he came to the front with his coconut water and a, few, and a few things that he needed, he put his hand in his sack and he gave the shopkeeper a few diamonds and the shopkeeper laughed in his face. He said, are you kidding me? There's diamonds here everywhere. This currency is worthless on this island. The only thing that's worth anything on this island is a certain kind of fat. And that fat can only be found in the inside of a certain fish, which is caught at 250 feet off the corals. The guy didn't want to starve to death. He realized he has to have some kind of currency. He figured out what this, this fish was and he worked out how to extricate the fat from inside the fish. And eventually he came back to the store with a, a canteen full of this fat and he bought himself some basic necessities. And he realized in order to get around for the next 30 days, uh, clearly he needed to have this fat from the inside of this fish. Otherwise he would not be able to sustain himself. And in order to figure out the 30 days uh, before the boat was going to return, he had, 30 he, he had 30 stones and each day he would remove a stone so he could figure out when he needs to be on the front beach so the boat could pick him up. And day after day, he figured out the best way to extricate the fat so he could go to the market, so he could live. And day, days went on and he realized he's got one stone left. The boat was, would be coming and docking at the island. He looked up on the horizon, the boat that was, the ship that was going to pick him up to take him back to his family. They did a, they flashed the light twice. He jumped on the ship and he started returning to his home. And as he came back to his home, there was a huge crowd welcoming the ship back into the harbor. And his wife was there and his family was there. And the dancing and the singing and the joy, this is the end of our poverty. This is the beginning of our new life. It suddenly was met with a shock. The toxic smell of this weird fish oil permeated throughout the ship. He docked and he realized that all he had was this bag full of this toxic fat from the fish. And he looked in his pocket and lo and behold, he had one tiny diamond that happened to be in the inside of the pocket. My friends, in many ways, that's the story of our life. 
as we come to the, the end of our journey called life, we come to realize that we're running around collecting things that really don't have an eternal currency, that really don't have any meaning beyond the rat race that unfortunately the West world imparts. The year ahead, my friends, has got to be about collecting diamonds. It cannot possibly be about collecting toxic, toxic fats. We cannot be distracted. So what, I've, what I'd like to impart today in my close to 25 years in the speaking circuit, having spoken to many, many different conventions and retreats, is five ideas, five concepts that I believe will make sure that the year ahead will be the best year of your life. This is based on many, many discussions with students all over the world. And I believe that each one of these have a great universal truth. If we want to have the best year of our life, point number one, we need to let go of the past. Living life in a review mirror doesn't allow us to move on. People get shackled in the past. They live with yesterday dragging them down. In all of my years at speaking at many events, there's almost not a single retreat uh, convention where I don't know if someone comes to the podium often saying, Rabbi, you know, <clears throat> life would have been so great, but my ex-boyfriend, but the, the six months ago, I, 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 could have been, I could have had more stock in Amazon. I sold. People live in the past. They carry around a huge anchor and it weighs them down. There is no way in the world that you can have a successful year ahead unless you start saying goodbye to the past. Any emotion which conjures up guilt, anxiety, connotes the past. A great year is a year that we're going to unshackle a lot of the burden of the past. In the words of the great Dr. Viktor Frankl, he said, at the end of the day, my friends, we are either sons of our past or fathers of our future. If you cannot possibly change a situation in your past, the only thing we can do right now as we face two weeks before the most important days in the Jewish calendar is to change ourselves. The beautiful thing is the judge who is standing before us on Rosh Hashanah is our father in heaven who loves and adores you more than you will ever possibly be able to fathom. And more than anyone else, he's rooting for us and wishing that the scales tip towards a magnificent year. So the one thing that I'd like you to start taking out of your mind so we can have an unbelievable year ahead is take, take the following words out of your lexicon. If only the concept, if only I had done that, is something which is antithetical to Torah and certainly is not a productive way of looking at the year ahead. There's so often I see and speak to people that say, you know, Rabbi, if I would have got into that college, if that relationship would have worked, if... So if you look at the word life, the two middle letters of the word life are if. If you're going to spend your life perseverating around if or if only, I guarantee you that you will be in a holding pattern. The difference between life in the English lexicon and life in, in Hebrew is life in Hebrew is chaim, as opposed to if the middle two letters of the word life, the middle two 
symbols of the word Chaim in Hebrew are God's name. The two letters, Yud and Yud. The difference between saying if that, if is the following. A basic principle of, of those of us that are trying to live according to the instructions of living or trying to understand that God gave us the Torah because he loves us and he wants the best for us is that if we have a relationship with the Yud and Yud, if we have a relationship with the Chaim, if we have a relationship with God, rest assured that is your GPS. Rest assured that anything that happened to you in the year that went past was meant to happen to you. There's a very powerful concept between of freedom of choice. So our rabbis teach us before you, before you make any decision, before you exercise your volition, you should assume you have freedom of choice. After you make the decision, whatever the fallout is, is meant to happen from God. And perforce, it's extremely destructive to look back at your life and say, if, could have, would have, should have. So the first lesson for the new year, my friends, is if we're going to have a great year, let's let go of the past. Point number two, to have the most incredible year in the year ahead. Let's differentiate between failing at something and being a failure. There is not a single human being that will sojourn this planet that will go through the journey called life that will not fail, that will not have setbacks, that will not have a curveball that's thrown that's thrown their, their way. The difference between uh, people that are successful in this journey called life, the difference between victors as opposed to victims are those uh, that get up and respond to the so-called setbacks with more strength and with tremendous intestinal fortitude. How do we know that this is inevitable? Because the first Jew was Abraham and the first Jew had 10 trials. He had 10 tests. And the Almighty did not, did not say to Abraham, you've actualized your potential. You have, become, you, have, you have become the person that you could have been until he surmounted all those 10 tests. So what we think is tests, what we think are setbacks, what we think are failures, those are in fact part of this journey as we are in the boot camp of life. Those are the stepping stones which many people, which is a precursor to, to, to greatness. It's not a failure, it's the rite of passage. And often there are spiritual muscles that we have that will remain, that will be atrophied, that will never be flexed without what we would call a failure or a setback. So point number one is let's let go of our past if we want to have an awesome year. Number two, let's make a distinction between things that we failed in and being a failure. Point number three is one of the most difficult things, and that's developing a gratitude attitude. So one thing I'm aware of, because I think most of the people I speak to are millennials, and this is I say this with no judgment, you guys are the technical future, you guys are way ahead in so many things, but it's very difficult to grow up in a generation where you press a button and there's 7,000 different options of digital content, where you press a button and your toast comes to you. Your, the, the, it's very difficult to be in a world where it seems like you're entitled to whatever you want and whatever you feel. Let me tell you why it's important to have a gratitude attitude. An experiment was done at the University of Miami. It was in conjunction with the University of California. 
two famous professors, Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough, they broke the class into three groups. Group number one had a journal where they basically just penned, memorialized their problems, their irritations. Group number two um, used to basically journal about their daily lives. The third group basically gave a list of what they could be grateful for that happened that day. So they, they followed these three, three separate groups months and years later. Which of these three groups do you think when they tracked them months and years later were the most happy, the most alert, the most enthusiastic, and were clearly having the most, the, the most fulfilled life? It's not by coincidence that the group that was penning a, a, a journal of thank you started seeing the world in a different way. Because we all know if you change the way you look at things, the things that you look at change. And if you start recalibrating and knowing that you need to say thank you, you will realize that nothing is coming to us. The first thing that a Jew does when we wake up in the morning uh, we say a prayer called Modiani because our souls have been restored to us, which means that there's a reason why we're in this world, because by definition, if there wasn't, God, God will surely make sure that we don't taint this beautiful thing called a soul uh, with the vicissitudes of this world. So the fact that you woke up this morning and the beautiful spiritual energy called a Jewish soul was restored into you is reason in and of itself to have a tremendous gratitude. If you ever go into a synagogue and watch people saying the Amida, the Shmona Esrei, if someone's praying a little bit slower than the congregation, when they come to a part of the Amida called Modima Nachnulach, where you're showing God thank you, no matter where you are, you stop and you bow, because that's one of the central ethos of our religion, is giving the Almighty the, the, the gratitude of being bestowed with the Jewish soul by giving a, the, the Almighty thanks for the fact that we have a manual for living. So I think I told some of you guys when we spoke before, a large part of our clients are some of the most famous people in the world of entertainment, some of the most famous sports people, some of the first, most famous influencers. And you would think that these people would be unbelievably happy. So let's take a look firstly at, what, at what's going on in America and then we'll hone in about the so-called rich and famous and cool people of the world. And let's try and figure out what's going on here. Let's look at America today. My friends, in the last two months, there has never ever been in the United States ever the amount of prescription drugs for antidepressants and anti-anxiety in the history of America. There has never been in the last two months in the history of the United States ever been this amount of a teenage suicides. There's a book on the New York Times best-selling list called Final Exit, which has been on the New York Times best-selling list for nine weeks. It's a book on how to commit suicide. I think it's safe to say Americans are not happy. What about the top 0.1% folks that you would know household names? I speak to these people. I have a professional relationship with, the, with these people. And, and I don't wish anything but good for them, but I will tell you that, that they're desperately unhappy people. Why? Because they see the world in terms of the one part of the human psyche, the body, as opposed to a, an integration of the body and the soul. If you did not feed your body, you would starve to death. 
if you don't feed the spiritual side of your life, there will be a void and there will be a sense of loss and gross unhappiness. These people have everything, but the things that money cannot buy are the things that will bring you the meaning, the purpose, and the true happiness. That's the instructions that we were given, and that is reason in and of itself to thank the Almighty that we have a GPS, because most people are living lives of quite desperation. So point number three, we said, was a gratitude attitude. Point number four, I often get, Rabbi, it's too late for me. You don't understand. I always wanted to do X, Y, and Z. I'm now 20-something years old. I'm setting my ways. There is nothing further from the truth. And as we, a couple of weeks away, away from Rosh Hashanah, as we start recalibrating, thinking about the year that we want to have, I want to quote one of the most beautiful things that I've seen in a advice column, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, called Dear Abby. So many of you don't know that the Dear Abby column, which ran until the year 2013, was one of the most popular advice columns in America, that Abby was Abigail Van Buren. She was a Jewish woman. She used to give advice to people about their various uh, uh, problems and concerns. This is unbelievable. She wrote to a I guess a pseudonym unknown person writing in called unfulfilled in Philly. The person who was unfulfilled in Philly wrote to Abby that she, she's, she wanted to be a doctor, but she figured out if she went back to college and got the degree, except it went through the internship the, and, and the various passages, she would, it would be seven years from now and she would be 43 years old. Listen to what Abby said. She said, my dear unfulfilled in Philly, how old will you be in seven years if you don't do all these things? In seven years' time, you're going, to be, you're going to be 43, whether or not you do these things. My friends, it's never too late. They, I always tell people when they say, Rabbi, that's it. It's, I cite some examples which I want to share with you. Many of you have heard of, of Kentucky Fried Chicken. So Kentucky Fried Chicken was the brainchild of so-called Colonel Saunders. How old was Colonel Saunders when he developed this idea? So he's 56 years old. Has it, have any of you heard of Ikea, the furniture store, the symbol, the founder of Ikea? How old was the founder of Ikea before he launched this tremendous furniture assembly store, which has completely taken over many parts of the world? He was in his early 70s, the founder of IKEA. It's never too late to be the person that you could have been. So let's summarize. We said that in two weeks' time, all of us will be standing before the Almighty. There's no one that doesn't want to have an unbelievable year because having an unbelievable year will be, impact the decade and will impact eternity. We then said, let's look at some of the reasons that cause people to get derailed, to get distracted, some common myths that we can dispel, which cause people to get stuck. We said, number one, that we said it is, we said that you've got to get rid of your past. You cannot hold on to your past. You cannot perseverate. <clears throat> you've got to take things, ma, sham. It says in the Torah, it says in Hebrew, 
God is looking at you, my Shehusham, as you stand there. So no matter how many mistakes that you made, no matter how many things you've done to mess up, God is saying, I'm looking at you there. What I'm looking at is your heart and your head. Where do you want to be? What are you aspiring to? If you feel guilt, if you feel how in heaven's name can I look at heaven bound and ask God for an extension of my contract? No, that's not coming from a good place because your father in heaven wants nothing but good things for you. So let go of your past and certainly the self-talk that's saying the famous phrase I've heard hundreds of times, Rabbi, I messed up my life. Doesn't exist in, it doesn't exist in our religion. The, no, the reason why we, we know it doesn't exist, the whole concept of, of repent or reboot existed before the world there god would never put us in a situation where knowing that we fallible that we set up for failure the concept of i've messed up my life is antithetical to to our religion the second thing we said if we want to look at the year ahead is uh, differentiate between having failed at something and being a failure none of your failures the fact that you are sitting tonight in the middle of the week listening to some unbelievable lecture in some fancy accent, you guys got to realize 0.01% of the world population, people are out there messing up their lives. The fact that you're here and trying to understand why we're in this world, try to understand, get empowered with tools to live a successful life, speaks incredible volumes. There is no one on this Zoom call, whatever you want to call it, uh, that is a failure. On the contrary, you guys are, are, are the diamonds the third thing we spoke about is we said that we said that one second we said that it's never too late and we we are i'd like to move to the fifth point which i think is we are a, a mistake that i see which is very very common and that is somehow the world tells us how far we can go how great we can be how many rungs on the ladder we can ascend up. So I want to tell you a story because being that I hail from Africa, most of us grew up with a basic understanding of, of, of animals. So there's two kinds of elephants. There's the African elephant and the Indian elephant. The Indian elephant, when uh, they grow up in India, when they, little, when they are little elephants, if I could say such a thing, how does the owner of these elephants when they are little kids, how do they make sure that they don't rip through the village and completely mess everything up? They take a little rope, they put it all around this baby elephant, and they take that rope to a peg which they put in the ground. As a baby elephant, that little baby elephant realizes that they can't really move their neck, and in their mind's eye, whenever they have that same feeling, they cannot move. As they grow up and they're huge, 652 ton, they can literally rip through a city. They take a rope, put it around the elephant's neck, put it into the ground. The elephant doesn't move. They've been conscientized into believing that that little rope somehow immobilizes them. I think, my friends, many of us limit ourselves. We create our own rope around the neck and we say that this is what we're supposed to be and that's it. So I'm here to tell you that there's not a single Jew that's destined to be mediocre. Every single one of you is destined for greatness. And the worst thing is to compromise on the greatness that you deserve. How do we know this is true? 
1953, a young man named Roger Bannister stood behind the line in the attempt to run the, the sub-four-minute mile. For years and years, people had tried to run the mile in less than four minutes. So on that day, Roger Bannister ran the mile in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. What happened in the months that passed, there were literally hundreds of people that broke the four-minute mile. What happened here? Because what happened was, as soon as Roger Bannister dispelled the myth that a human being can run four miles in its, run the mile in less than four minutes, somehow this self-sabotaging notion was dispelled and he opened up a Pandora's box. The idea of the way you see yourself, the way you speak to yourself is, is really the way that, you're, that, that sometimes we sabotage ourselves and we, we slow ourselves down. So let's, make a, let's do a quick summary here. We start off by saying that in two weeks from now, we're going to be stand, but we're going to stand in front of the Almighty. The difference: How can you possibly stand on Rosh Hashanah and be happy and be in beautiful clothes? Because the Judge is your Father; He loves you. There's nothing in the world that He would want than to ensure that He tips the scales in your favor for a magnificent year. But it's a game of chess. We have to make the first move. So let's look at some of the things that we discussed to make sure that when we stand before the Almighty, that we jettison certain things that have been balls on a chain and that we have the right mind and the right heart because at the end of the day, that's all that God is judging on those days. We said the first thing we said, let go of the past. Let go of the concept of if this, if that. We said the word if is the middle two letters of the word life as opposed to the middle two letters of the word life in Hebrew is, is the Almighty's name. Know that he loves you that, you, that if something happened, it was ultimately for your good, even if it might have been painful. The second thing we spoke about is that differentiate between if having failed at something and being a failure. The third thing we spoke about is develop a gratitude attitude in the world of entitlement with this proliferation of technology as much as that's not easy, it'll change your life. We then said that it's never, ever too late to be the person that you're supposed to be. We finally said, the we finally said that self-sabotage, don't look down. When I, say, when I say don't look down, we've all seen the cartoonists where the, 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 little, the little cartoon figure runs off a cliff and he's, he's sort of flagellating and his feet are going and suddenly he looks down and boom, he drops. Why? Because in his mind's eye, how could this be happening? God wants greatness from you. The idea of self-sabotaging, the idea of mediocrity flies in the face of that. There's no question that each and every one of you not only can, but the judge himself wants you to have an unbelievable year. Those are five points which I want you to take to heart so we don't look, so we don't look back, that we don't beat ourselves up, that we don't sabotage the tremendous potential that we all have and that we know that the Almighty is rooting for us. I could stand here, Rabbi Malul could stand here and we can pontificate, we could share ideas. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the story that I think I've told some of you before. It's a story of this little kid, Moishi, who was in <clears throat> elementary school. He's a, he was a... He's a mischievous kid, and every day the game that the that the teacher and the kids would play 
the teacher had such an in tremendous EQ, such an insight in, into each and of the one of the children that during recess, he knew that each of the kids would go play in the playground and they would pick up an object. One of the kids loved tennis, he would pick up a tennis ball. Uh, not, one of the other kids loved flowers, he would pick up, a, he knew Moishi loved butterflies. And there's no question that during the recess, he would find a butterfly somewhere uh, in the playground. So Moishi in his, in his own way said to his classmates, of course the teacher knows that I love butterflies, but he's gonna ask me what's in my hand. And then he's gonna say, is, is it dead or alive? And if he said it's alive, I'm gonna crush that little thing and let this cod, let it fall to the floor. And if he says it's dead, I'm gonna open my hand and it's gonna fly away. Lo and behold, the kids go recess and true to form, they come back. Moishi had a, a butterfly in his hand. The teacher said, Moishi, what do you have in your hand? And he said, clearly it's a butterfly. And he has the, and he has the drum roll. And Moishi said to his teacher in an attempt to get his moments of glory, Rabbi, is it dead or alive? His rabbi said to the kid, it's in your hands. At the end of the day, it's in your hands, my friends. There's some ideas we've shared. You have in, uh, in Rabbi Jack and Shira, two of the leading educators in our city. You've got an incredible environment. You've got such a support system. There's so many people rooting for you. It's in your hands and rest assured that the Almighty himself is rooting for you, that this year should be a wonderful year filled with health, simcha, blessings, and only good things. After the standing ovation, we'll take some questions and thank you again for listening. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Wow, that was amazing. So we Beautiful, thank you so much. Let's Perfect. let's hear from everyone. I see the Natasha already. Um, well, I don't know if it's a question or, or you're, I don't know. Standing ovation. <laughs> I was just clapping. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, that's good. And the same with Becca. Do you know what's I the best thing? You know what the best thing for a public speaker is to look at people smiling. So I'm looking at a screen with a lot of people smiling. Great group. It bodes well for a great year. Any questions, any thoughts, anything you want to say behind Rabbi Jack's back, I'm here. <laughs> I can always go if you want. <laughs> anything, guys. I want to say one thing that I, that, that I thought of as I was driving up here, though, is the difference between standing in Times Square and waiting for the apple to drop and the difference between the concept of a Jewish New Year. So why do we not say that you should, really, you should have a good year? If you speak to people, what's the salutation? You should have a sweet year. It's interesting if, you, if, you, if the question has been asked many times to our rabbis. So the answer in simple terms is that God is good. By definition, God only imparts that which is good. The year ahead is, is going to be directed by God who adores you. By definition, it's going to be good. Good doesn't mean that it won't be painful. We discussed before that a happy life doesn't mean a pain-free life. So the salutation and the way, we, the way we greet each other on Rosh Hashanah is that you should have a sweet year. Good it's going to be, but it should be sweet. It should be as, you know, filled with at the least possible inconveniences. And that's one of, the, it, one of the most important things that I think I want you to internalize. That I, I speak to a lot of people on campuses. Somehow people think that if it's painful, it's bad. 
that's the world that we, we live in, which is a world of comfort. We want a world of greatness. If you want to be great at anything in, in this world, by definition, you're going to need to flex muscles. You're going to need sometimes to go against the grain. It might be short-term pain, but for long-term gain. So I wish for you not only uh, a year, of, but a year that hopefully will be sweet so that you can see the good and 